Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. I'll tell you what, I'm very happy I am in the kingdom of God. Very, very happy. I watched just a little bit, all I could get up or all I could force down just a few minutes to see what was happening of the Pride March in Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America yesterday, and, and what a filthy, perverted, ungodly, sickening sight it was just to see just a few things that they were doing. And the world, you know, and the thing about it, you know, a lot of little children in this one that they were in there, and they were, parents were bringing their kids and indoctrinating them and bringing them up and all these kind of things. This is an incredible thing. And I saw that, and I said, I am so glad that I am in the kingdom of God. How about you? I don't want to be part of that kingdom. And I think there's voting coming up on Tuesday this week, too. And let your voice be heard. Uh, don't be silent. Christians need to speak out and, and let the world know uh, what our votes are, what our opinions are in this world, and uh, you know, see what, what it will do in people's hearts and lives. This world needs to be changed. This world absolutely has got a heart problem, a mind problem. It's spilled over into their mind. A lot of things going on. But you know what? God's got the answer for everybody. He's got the answer for you. got the answer for me. And uh, everything's going to be all right in the kingdom of God. Amen? I am looking forward to the day that Jesus comes. He splits the eastern skies, and he comes in and brings uh, his rule and his reign to planet earth. And Jesus said, pray that way in Matthew chapter 6. Pray for his kingdom to come. His kingdom spiritually has already come in the hearts of believers. But this old world's got a little way to go yet. But there's one day coming. And Jesus is going to come, and he's going to rule with a rod of iron on this earth. And we're going to help him. How about you? Amen? We're going to help him. We're believing for that day. Somebody say amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible with you, let's make our confession today as we go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard for sure. Uh, don't be silent. Spare not, Isaiah the prophet said. We speak out the words of the Lord, and don't be silent about anything. Don't let the world back you into a corner because they want to get out and do those things. There are just a, uh, a lot of things happening. Somebody protested at uh, uh, Joel Osteen's church the other day, and, and their protest uh, wasn't enough just for them to stand up in the middle of the service and scream and holler and shout like they were doing, but uh, they had to take their clothes off right in the middle of the service. And incredible things uh, people will do in this world. And so, you know what, if they're willing to get up and, uh, you know, embarrass themselves like that, for sure, we Christians should not hold our voices back. 
we should be ready to speak and speak out. Uh, I spoke out earlier this week when they talked about some things. Uh, I just asked a little simple question on one of the Lawrence um, uh, Facebook pages that they had when they talked about the light show that was coming uh, to Lawrence uh, on the July the 3rd. And I asked them, I said, I hope they're not going to turn the, the courthouse uh, into the gay and pride colors. That's all I said. I, I set it out there, gave them a pre-warning. We're going to be watching. And uh, gave them that pre-warning for that. And then you wouldn't believe nobody, not one person commented under my comment and said, thank God, I agree with you. Not one. About five or six people said, how dare you mention something like that? What a shame you are, they said, for you even bringing up something like that. Somebody said that, uh, one of them said, you know what, you ought to just keep your mouth shut, is what they said. And I, you know, just commented back, I was born here. I was raised here. I grew up here. I paid taxes here. If anybody's got a right to speak, I got a right to speak out. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't let them back you up. Don't let them back you up. Just because their mind's gone nuts don't mean yours has to go nuts. <laughs> it doesn't. They'll come around one day, sooner or later, because every knee shall bow, the Bible says, and every tongue is going to confess. So, you know, you don't let them back you up into a corner. They ain't backing me up. Not on ground I own, uh uh No, 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 uh-uh. No, not at all. All right. All right, let's, let's get started into the Word today. Look at Mark chapter 4. I'm going to bring you to a place that's been such a blessing to me so many times in my life over the last few years, uh, particularly, and even all of my life as I've learned to live and walk by faith over these years. Uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4 and talk about a process of receiving from God. In the midst of receiving from God, it is a process. In other words, there is a way of things. There are steps of things. A good man's steps are ordered of the Lord. And uh, he takes one, he takes two, he takes three, four, and he keeps on walking for God. And so there is a process in receiving from God. I have found that many Christians sometimes uh, come and, and they receive, maybe we'll get into this just a little bit. It, Andrew Murray brought it up to me again just about five days ago. Uh, I'll get to talk to you a little bit. But some people think about that the things they hear the Word of God and the promises that are made there, that they are instantaneous and they just uh, speak them and quote them and bam, it's over with and they should have got it. And if they didn't get it, then, you know, they've got a problem. Uh, there, and they uh, quickly fall away when we think about the seeds of the sower. And so when we look at that, we have to learn there is a process from receiving from God. Everything doesn't happen in the next one second of your life, five seconds of your life, 15 seconds, one minute, or one day, one month, one year. Everything doesn't do that. Now, some things do. There are, you can be made a new creation in Christ Jesus in a moment of time. That happens for you in the born-again experience and split-second moment of time. But you walking out your salvation in the fear and trembling of the Lord, as they talked about a couple weeks ago, as you do that, that is a process that takes place, and it continues on. And so we're going to sort of look at it from that area. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 26. This is our text. It says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how the kingdom of God works. If you want to know how the world system works, go ask them. That's not what we're talking about. This is the kingdom of God and how it works. As if a man should plant seed or cast seed into the ground. The kingdom is like someone casting seed into the ground. 
I noticed uh, Brother Greg, I noticed Brother Harry, both, I think they both got gardens, and uh, I've seen a lot of plants coming up, and before long we're going to see some vegetables come on out there, and I hope they all invite us out there to eat with them. But anyway, uh, all that's going to be happening uh, there, but it's the only reason it's happening there and not at your house or my house is we didn't plant the seed. That is a natural understanding that everybody can easily understand. You, you just don't get, as a, once again, as a, I sort of show you my seed that I've had all of these years in my life and kept these about 25 some odd years now. And uh, I keep them always in my study because I know that everything starts with a seed. When God blesses me, it starts with a seed. When God gives me a miracle, it starts with a seed. Uh, sometimes that seed that he gives me are seeds that I plant and they are seeds that I cast into the ground. Other times there is an opportunity for a seed that comes to me from, from the world and then I have to take that and plant it. Sometimes I have to throw away some of the tares and the weeds that the world wants to plant. But I'm not going to get that can of corn that I've got right here. Not going to get that whatsoever now unless I plant some of these corn seeds. We all know that. That's not anything that anybody would deny. I've never had someone stand up and, and say, cursed, you know, infidel, blasphemy, you're preaching false doctrine. We all know that's how it works. There, there's no dispute about that. You don't get the can of corn unless somebody somewhere planted the seed. I got this one at the store. The only opportunities we have are here are either Ingalls or Walmart, I guess, in and, and the town that we're in. And, and I got that there. I don't know. Sheila was telling me it was like under a dollar or something like that for that. And like I said, you better go get it quickly, and I'll sell you this one for $3 because it might be 4 by the time you get out there today. But anyway, anyway, you don't get this can of corn unless you plant these seeds I got in my bucket. We all understand that. Somehow, when we come to God, we just blow out our thinking Blow out our reason and our logic. Forget everything that we ever knew in the world that had any basis of common sense about it and understanding of Scripture. Because the Bible says this, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The kingdom of God works just that way. It works exactly that way. If you're expecting to have a harvest where you do not have seed planted, uh... What is it we talk about being shy of a load, one brick shy of a load, you know? I mean, you, you won't have a harvest unless you plant a seed. It is impossible in the natural. It's also impossible in the spiritual. I know that people will sort of escape that and come over here, well, God can do whatever he wants to do. God's sovereign and God can just be, it's all up to God anyway and it doesn't matter. I know they get into those kind of thinking, but that kind of thinking is not found in the scripture. It's just not there. What we find in Scripture is that what sort of man sows, that shall he also reap. We find that in Scripture. We find a number of things like that. And Jesus is absolutely point blank saying that the kingdom of God works like you plant seeds in the ground. Well, verse 27, what happens? You should sleep and rise night and day and the seeds should spring up, grow up, but he knows not how. I don't know how that works. I mean, you know, I was a future farmer in high school and learned a few things about it. I know when that seed goes in the ground, I know it sort of what we call rots and decays. And, and as it does, then the, then the life of the force that was in the seed begins to pluck out and create that plant. I don't know a few things, but I don't really know how that happens. Same way with the kingdom of God. When we talk about planting seeds in the kingdom of God, you say, well, pastor, how is it that that works? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the why of it. I don't understand all of that part of it. I know the methodology that Jesus is going to give us here. I understand that. But as to saying, how, you know, that's, that's God. That's God. We know as much about planting seed in the natural as we do seed in the spiritual. And they both are relational. Now, notice verse 28. The earth brings forth fruit of herself. 
That's just something it does. The earth is just built to bring forth fruit of itself. Shayla and I were riding down the road the other day and out toward our home, and then we just turned in to get on the road we were on. We, we saw an animal that had died and was on the side of the road. And uh, it's always a sad thing. Sheila loves animals, and so I guess that's why she married me. But anyway, she loves animals, and one had died on the side of the road and looked at it. And I said, you know something, Sheila, one thing about this world is this. This earth is built. It, 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 it cleanses itself. It go, there's something in this world. What will happen, that animal's body, will be, if nobody touches it, will begin to decay in the next few days or so. Along with it decaying based on the elements of the sun and the wind and the rain, along with that having effect, there will be certain creatures and animals. And we saw one, it looked like a buzzard or something, flew it right beside it, it was pecking away at that. And it won't be long that this earth will cleanse itself, it'll renovate itself, it'll restore itself, and you'll just never know it was there. The earth has certain powers in it that cause things to happen. The earth will make that seed bring forth in bud, as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55. It, it will happen for us. Jesus said, the earth brings forth fruit of herself. It does it. I don't have to do it. I don't have to make that happen. The earth will do that. Brings forth fruit of herself. First, the blade. Here's the process. First, the blade. And you'll see just a little bit of it come up out of the ground. Then, the ear. And we're talking about grain here. After that, the full corn in the ear, King James language. Basically, it's grain it's talking about. But if you can understand corn that way, that, that's okay too, I guess. But it's basically talking about grain. But you don't see the full stalk of corn or the full stalk of the grain come up and, and, and ready to, to, to give its grain. That doesn't happen at first. First, there is just, you know, planting, a sowing. Then there is this blade. Then there's the ear. Then there's the full corn of ear. Notice it. There's a blade, the ear, the full corn of ear. Then notice, verse 29, when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Some people with God, they want to come to God, whether it's in prayer, believing the word, speaking the word, whether, whether it's in praying before the Lord, the praise and worship, whatever it might be, all the good things that we do, and they want the harvest right now. Right? I want the harvest this very instant. I want the harvest right now. I want the harvest. Well, I guess it must not be a God, you know. I, you know, I didn't get the harvest right now. I've been waiting five minutes, and I haven't seen the harvest yet. And that's how people approach God. Well, what a shame that it is uh, to do that. Dave Ramsey taught about how to get out of debt, but never have I heard him say that getting out of debt happens in the next one minute. It doesn't. There's a process to it. And he talks about it as being boring Boring, it's boring getting rich. It's boring getting out of debt. But, but there is a process that starts and goes on. It doesn't happen all overnight. It doesn't happen in the next few minutes, few hours, whatever. It's just not that way. It's verse 26, so is the kingdom of God. This is how it works. Notice, verse 29, when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. But the harvest is come after he sowed the corn or in our Example, corn. Verse 27, he sleeps and rises night and day. Night and day, sleeps and rises. Then the harvest comes. First, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. There's a process to it happening. So, so think about it whenever you're wanting to receive something from God. Wherever it might be in your life. Whether you're wanting to God to do something in, in your home or your family. What if in our home, in our family with uh, my wife and I. What if uh, in, in our family we had been for the last 10 years treating each other like dirt. Well, if we've been cussing each other out every chance we got, never really spending any time together, 
I mean, you know, all these kind of things that you hear people talk about doing. Uh, <laughs> Dolly Parton's old song, Sleeping Single in a Double Bed. What if you're doing all those kind of things in your life that bring separation to marriage? And then you decide, hey, I've really been a, a bad husband. And I want a good wife and I want to be a good husband. And then so what I do, I come to Sheila and I tell her all that kind of stuff. And if she's been the same bad attitude I've been in for these last 10 years, so to speak. And then we come together and, and I say, okay, we're going to start doing right by one another. I'm no longer going to call you this and call you that. I'm going to start calling you sweetheart and all this kind of stuff and different things and different speak kind words to you. It, it, it doesn't just change in about one minute. You know what? If you've hurt somebody and wounded somebody with your words and your actions, you're going to have to love on them a while to get them to love back on you. They're going to have to see that, you know, this thing in you that's been going on has changed now and have some proof changing in your life. And it's not just going to happen for you overnight. It happens for you as a process of time, as the person, whoever it might be. It might not be that close a relationship, but other relatives in your family where you just begin to change things in a relationship. It's like that in just about anything that you can think about, whether it's that way, whether it's talking about finances, whether it's about talking about healing in your body and all these kind of things, because the devil is an adversary and he's a work and he'll come against us. We'll see. We'll see as it goes on. So this process takes on. Now, we also looked in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. The Bible says, fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Know that from a start. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to. It makes him happy to give you the kingdom. In other words, for you to be blessed in your ways, God's happy about it. When you're smiling, God's smiling. When you've got joy in your heart, you can just know that God was responsible for putting there. He, he loves to see. The Bible says in the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 5, the very last verse, just before you get to chapter 6, uh, there, it says that we were created for God's good pleasure. So God made us just to enjoy us. Everybody say, enjoy me, oh God. God created you just to enjoy you. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. And so, so is the kingdom of God. It works this way. It's God's good pleasure for you to work this way in the kingdom of God and see it happen. The Bible goes on to say in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 13, it is God that works in you both to will and do his good pleasure. So not only is it God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, he's at work in you, urging you, pushing you along, stirring you in the right direction, trying to get you to receive the kingdom of God. You say like this many years ago, I talked about it so often as this. Some people, you have to drag kicking and screaming into the blessings of God. Now, they all say they want to go. They all do. Ain't nobody I've met yet said, no, I want to be just, you know, discouraged. Well, maybe one person. Uh, I want to be discouraged, mad, and upset all, all my life and sad and down now. Most people say they want to be happy. Most people say they want to be blessed. But to get them on that road to the blessing, sometimes you have to drag them kicking and screaming into that road to the blessing. Amazing thing, amazing thing before. So recognize, recognize it's God's good pleasure. He's at work in you. Let, let him work in you. Let him uh, perform his good pleasure. Allow him to do that. Give him your faith. Give him your trust. Give him your belief. Let, let him do that in your life. We saw that. We saw in Hebrews 11 and 6 that uh, the Scripture tells us, without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder. You've got to believe that He is a rewarder. You've got to believe that He is. There is a God in the first place, and the same God is a rewarder. Now, you can tell a lot of those people at uh, the gay pride thing yesterday, they didn't believe a bit of that. They, they didn't believe that. And, and for these idiotic churches, 
that uh, have opened their doors and uh, their pulpits and their deacons and their elders and every other thing in the church and turn it over to the, to the gay folks and that kind of they don't believe it either. They, they, don't, they don't believe there is a God. I mean, you, you can't worship God in that kind of atmosphere. That's ridiculous. And uh, God rewards, well, God rewards, but recognize how God rewards. He rewards uh, good for good, <laughs> and uh, he'll let you have evil if you want evil too. Uh, whatever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And so the reward comes both ways. And the reward for wickedness is certainly not heaven. The reward for wickedness is a life of eternity in the portals of hell. That's the reward for wickedness. Some people don't believe that, though. That's why they work their evil ways. But you've got some people in Christianity, they don't have to believe it either. They don't think it does any good to pray. They don't think it any good to get in the Word of God. They don't think it does any good to attend church. They don't think it any good to live righteously. They don't see the rewards in following God's Word. But if you're going to receive from God and see the kingdom of God work the way God said it was, you must believe that He's a rewarder. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe that He is a rewarder. That's called faith. That's called trust in God. Ain't no way that I think I could ever. We, we had the saying many years ago. We talked about it. The old timer said this. You can't outgive God. You ever heard that? You can't outgive God. What were they saying? They said that when you do something for God, there ain't no way he's going to let that stand. He's going to give back to you and bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you. Some people sort of walked away from that and sort of demeaning stuff and calling things prosperity gospel and all this kind of stuff and try to act like they're bad-mouthing everybody. Uh, with those things. That's how far they've gotten away from some of those old time believers that said you can't outgive God. But I still believe you can't outgive God. I don't think there's anything I can do for God that He's not going to do back for me. That's not always my motive. I, I certainly expect to, when I plant seed to receive a harvest, but I don't always do things just because I'm going to get something back. But I always get something back for everything I do. It's the way that the world works, and it's the way that it works in the kingdom of God. All right. Another one, in James chapter 1, the scripture says this in verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. When the toss, let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. If you're not in faith, you don't believe he's a rewarder. And if you're not praying in faith, don't think you'll get anything from God. Let not that person think they will receive anything from God. Uh, the, the, the majority of time in our lives should be based around building our faith before we do any asking, before we do any praying, before we do any confessing and speaking the word. Let faith build in your heart and your life because you must believe that he's a rewarder. And then if you don't, don't think you receive anything from God. So I ask for something knowing my prayer is not going to be answered because I'm not asking from a foundation of faith. Faith is the foundation. Now, one other verse we looked at, when the last week we did last week, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. God's not going to give you faith because you pray for it. Somebody say amen. You know, that's not the way it happens. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, anything... That you're believing God for, Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, and all things whatsoever shall ask in prayer, believing. See, the Bible doesn't say that you'll, everything that you ask in prayer be given you, but all things whatsoever shall ask in prayer, believing you'll receive. Not just what you ask, but what you ask, believing. So we've got to be in this place of believing. And the Scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing. So I'm going to receive faith. In my heart and life, because I continually hear and listen to the Word of God. 
because I continually listen to it in its various ways. I listen to it by men and women preaching and teaching to me. I listen to it by songs being played. I listen to it by my own mouth speaking it and saying the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. I hear the Word of God. And as I do, faith is generated in my life. I begin to believe that. That will happen to you naturally, not, not just in the kingdom of God. That will happen to you naturally. If someone tells you you're no good, you're not worth anything, and they keep saying it to you, and they keep telling it to you long enough, and you keep listening to it, you'll begin to believe what they told you. You start feeling bad about yourself, and you'll have low self-esteem, a low image of yourself, or less than what God has made you to be. All those things are happening in your life. So, so push that aside and watch what you hear. No wonder Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Be careful what you hear. Be careful. Don't, don't, don't let just anything come into your ears. And there's a lot of anything that's out there right now. A lot of it is being spoken, a lot of being said out there day and night. Don't allow just anything to come into your ears. You'll grow up hearing all these chimney corner scriptures that people have when they always thought this. I mean, God works in mysterious ways. Where in the Bible does it say God works in mysterious? They, they, they say stuff like that, just like it's Bible. They say all kind of stuff just like it's in scripture, and they don't have a clue what they are talking about. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Nothing else is going to bring you faith. Now, that's, now, that right there, believe it or not, is a difficult thing for some Christians to believe. They think, oh, if I just saw this or saw that, then I would believe. That's what they think. They, they, they think if something just happened somewhere, someplace, sometime, then I would become a believer. Or, what if uh, Uncle John rose from the dead? Then I would believe. Oh, that would make me believe if I saw Uncle John rise from the dead. No, it wouldn't. Turn with me to the book of Luke, new verse, Luke, Luke chapter 16, and look at verse 29. In Luke chapter 16, we have the story of Lazarus and the rich man who both died. One went to Abraham's bosom, otherwise we know as paradise and heaven today. The other went into hell. As he is in hell, he is arguing with Father Abraham across the guff. He is arguing with him about his five brothers that need salvation because he sure don't want them to come to hell. And so he is arguing with Father Abraham, we've got to do something to get my five brothers. And here's the thing is, uh, I know right now they are not believers. But he says this in verse 28, Luke 16, verse 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place. Okay? If you look back, you can see that he's talking to them about sending somebody. Verse 29, Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have the word of God, Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But now listen. And verse 30, he said, no, 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 Father Abraham. No, 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 no. Don't tell me that faith comes by the word of God only. Don't tell me that. No, 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 no. He said, no, Father Abraham. But if when one went back from the dead, then they would repent. If they saw something, if one went back from the dead, then they would repent. I mean, God, if you just opened the skies and split them, then I'd believe. No, no, no. Well, one, one thing I've done over the years in different places we went, we've seen some incredible magic shows and that kind of thing that we saw. And you can see all kind of things done on a magic stage that ain't a bit more real than anything. I mean, you, just because you see it don't mean it's real. And what will finally happen to you is you'll begin to have that same kind of thinking. Just because you saw it doesn't mean it's real. Now, now, notice notice what he said here. 
If one went back from the dead, they'd repent. Verse 31, he said unto him, If they have, hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one went back from the dead. In other words, the only thing they're going to get is the Word of God. That's it. That is it. Nothing else. If you're trying to get faith through some other area than the Word of God, you are badly missing the way that you truly get faith. Some people go before the Lord and they ask the Lord, you know, increase my faith. Oh, God, I just want more faith. Help me, Lord. Oh, help me, Lord. You see what a bad situation might be in. God, I need faith. I need faith. I need faith. And faith is an active verb, more or less, when we look at it from the verb side of it. It's, it's an active verb that you just have to begin activating it as you hear the Word of God and acting on what the Word of God says, and then there is your faith. It is displayed. You are seeing it. But you, you don't get faith just by praying for it. Huh. You don't get faith by praying for it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more you allow the Word of God in your own heart and life and the more you speak it out your mouth and you hear it in your ears coming out of your mouth of the Word of God that you are speaking, faith comes. Now, now think about it. You can get a horrible news. Uh, maybe medically you get a horrible opinion from the doctors. Maybe you get something horrible uh, financially and all these kind of things. I mean, just incredible. I was reading some financial stats this week. <laughs> Man, it's bad. This is the worst we've seen in 40 years. I mean, inflation as high as it's ever been. Uh, in, in for gas as high as it's ever been in the history of America. Uh, inflation as high as it's ever been in 40-some-odd years. The stock market has just took a crash. It's only uh, not crash yet. Don't, don't use that word. But has, has went down uh, more except for two other times in, in 1929 and then back in 1987 when we had the real estate uh, crash, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's right up there with them two and three. Hadn't surpassed them yet, but very close to it. I mean, it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. Now, if I go before God and I uh, begin praying and talk to him about that and say, God, you know, look at this. You're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and all this kind of stuff is taking place and this is happening. My, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, God, don't you see? Don't you see the problems? That we, you know, all those kind of things are prayers of doubt and unbelief and fear and failure. Because the answer to that prayer is this. Lord God, it doesn't matter what the market does. It doesn't matter how high gas is. It doesn't matter how high food goes. And I want it to be low and everything to be where it ought to be. I really do. But it really doesn't matter in the final analysis because it is my God that supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if I walk out with that, then I walk out happy and joyful. But if I leave that word off and just stay in the natural, I walk out depressed and sorrowful. And some people pray prayers that it makes them more depressed than it does makes them uh, happy. If you're praying a prayer and you feel worse after you prayed than before you prayed, you didn't pray the right kind of prayer. So that's, that's just not how it works. All right. So notice, notice, it's faith. The only way I'm going to uh, get faith in my heart and life is keep on hearing the Word of God. It will change you on the inside. Now, let me show you how that change takes place. Let me, let me get there. Look with me at Titus chapter 3. Here's how that changes. A renewal of your life has to take place in order for you to receive from God. Whenever we would plant that seed in the ground, we just don't go out there and throw it on the hard, rocky soil or the red clay or those kind of things. No, we plow up the ground. We find some good ground. We want that ground with that good, rich, black dirt, real good soil that's out there. And uh, we might have to do a little bit to the soil to get it ready to receive the seed and those kind of things. And so we, we do some work on it. We don't just throw a bunch of seeds on top of a rock and say, where's my plants? Uh, it doesn't work that way. 
there is a process the same way with you and I. Faith is not going to operate in your life until you have something to base your faith on, which is the Word of God. Now, how is that going to happen? Let me give you this twofold process. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Okay? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to His mercy, He saved us. I couldn't hang on the cross myself. You couldn't hang on the cross for yourself. There is no work of righteousness that you and I could have done that would procure to purchase or bought our salvation for us. It was Christ alone that did that. But according to His mercy, He saved us. He didn't look down at me, and I said, God, I got some money I'm going to give you if you'll save me. Uh, God, I'm in a bad shape. If you'll save me, don't you pity me? It's His mercy. It's God's pity, His grace, His mercy, His love for humanity that He's provided a way of salvation through Christ Jesus. Not anything we've done. But now notice, by the washing of regeneration. When you really get born again, you will get washed. You ever see something that's dirty, and you wash it, and you clean it up? You scrub all the dirt off, you get all the soil off, everything about it that's bad, and you get it all good and cleaned up. Well, when you are in your sins before this world, you are filthy. You are covered in your sins. You are dirty before God. You are unfit to approach God. And and you are really, the Scripture teaches us this, that we are really God's enemy and His adversary at that point. So then what happens is, the Holy Spirit of God, when He brings renewal to us through salvation, He cleans us up and washes us up on the inside. What happens, He he takes that, that sin, that desire, that want to, that filthy feeling inside of us, and He washes us and purges us from that. It is great to feel clean, to feel holy, to feel pure, not defiled by anything in this world. That happens at the time of the new birth by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that applies the blood, if you will, to our heart as a cleansing agent and washes us clean. That's so, so like the old timers always said, you know, the things I used to want to do, I don't want to do anymore. The way I used to talk, I don't talk anymore. The places I want to go, I don't want to go anymore. Why, you got born again. Old things had passed away and all things became new in your life. That happened that the power of the Holy Ghost, renewal in your life, part of it was by washing of you. Now, now notice this, this renewing of the Holy Ghost. The renewing of the Holy Ghost that takes place. When we look at that word renewal, it has to do with renovation. A complete change for the better. When you get saved, you are better, not worse. I had some friends one time when I first told them I got saved. First words came out of their mouth was, oh, no. Oh, no. You didn't, did you? Tell me you didn't. No, I did. They thought I was worse. But no, you are better when you get saved than you were. It's a complete change for the better. Now, listen to this. It's an adjustment. The Holy Ghost makes adjustment on the inside of the moral and spiritual vision and thinking, converting that to the mind of Christ. In other words, you don't think the same way. I used to think that before I got saved, that church was boring. I used to think before I got saved that church was scary, especially if they got shouting and anointing and that kind of stuff. I didn't want to be around it. Scared me, scared me. I thought somebody's going to come back there and lay hands on me and knock me out and all kind of stuff and drag me to the altar and make me get saved. And I had a whole lot of life to live. I didn't want to do all that and mess it up by getting saved. That's what I thought. 
But when I got saved and I was washed and cleansed and purged, then I found that moral adjustment on the inside of me. I found out that there was a spiritual vision had changed on the inside of me. And my thinking was being lined up with the mind of God. Now I was revealed the mind of God in my life and could see what He wanted for me, His plan for me, and that superseded anything else I'd ever had in my life. That happens at the power of the new birth. When you are born again, Titus 3.5. W. Vines mentioned that and he stresses that and, and when he talks about that renewal of what takes place in our life. Now, then, let, let me show you something. Go with me to Romans 12. Romans 12 verse 2. Because listen to this. Even though your spirit gets renewed at the new birth and it's renewed there, that you're still going to have to deal with that outward mind that you've got. With the inward part of you wanting to go the right way, Wanting to push you the right way. Wanting to lead you and guide the right way because it's clean and holy now. But what happens is your mind wants to argue with you. Because your mind has been so affected by the world for so long. And what happens is, is your mind has these paths in it. It has these ruts in it. You know what a path is? If you went down to the outhouse, it's where there's brows on both sides, you know. But you've got a path because you walk that way so often. Or if you've got a rut in the road and you sort of got some problems with your driveway and stuff like that and you keep riding on it and put all the, ruts, I mean, the rocks in it and make it look good and then, then finally, you know, you keep riding on it and you develop a rut. Then the rains come and it washes out the rocks, rocks washes out this, that, and that rut gets deep. And it's hard to stay out of the ruts when you're in there because it sort of pulls you over in it. But what happens is this, is in our mind and our thinking, that way has got to be changed in us. And when you've been doing something day after day, month after month, year after year, and it's, and it's ingrained in you, and it's empowered in your mind, and now the spirit of you has changed and been born again, you're going to have to let that, get that mind changed now. It's going to have to be changed because that mind is controlling your body, controlling the things that you see and look at and hear and do and walk and go, and, and that's there. And so you have to get the mind renewed. Look what it says in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing. Exactly the same word. In fact, it's only in the Bible those two times. Actually, the same word that we just read in Titus 3, 5. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation on the outside comes as your mind is renewed. And, and that's not, again, it's not a thing that just happens overnight. It's a thing that you have to continually bombard your mind. How long does it take? I don't know. It depends on how much of a rut you dug yourself into. It depends on how big of a hole we dug ourselves into. It depends on how strongly we are engrafted into our old man, old world thinking. And as long as we're out there, things will not change for us. Again, my analogy, when I talked about the debt situation, and Dave Ramsey kept telling me I was an idiot for borrowing money. And I said, no, Dave, you don't understand. You just don't know. And Dave, I can prove it to you. I, I can prove it. You, you're not listening to me, Dave. You're not listening to me, Dave. I know you're wealthy and a multimillionaire today, and you have no idea what it is to, to grow up where I grow up and live where I live and be taught what I was taught and live it day and night and to see it experience in my life for all those years. You have no idea, and I, be, and I would combat And that was my mind talking to him. It was my mind just kept telling him, there ain't no way I can live without debt. There's no way I can do it, Dave. You do not understand. I can't drive a car unless I borrow money and go buy it. I, I, I can't have a house unless I mortgage. I can't do it, Dave. If, if the refrigerator breaks, I've got to go borrow the money to buy the I can't. I can't, Dave. We can't go to college. We can't go to school. We've got to borrow money. And yet Dave kept telling me that I was an idiot for borrowing money. 
and I would argue with him. What I was arguing with him was my mind. It was what the world had told me that was so strong in my life that I was refusing to let it go. Just would not let it go. Refused to let it go. Just would not believe it. Even though I knew what the Bible said in, the, in Proverbs 26, what he talked about there. That, that the, the slave is, he, or the borrower is slave to the lender. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was there. I knew it. But my mind wasn't con- convinced of it. And what I did, the more I listened to Dave, the more I read that verse of Scripture, the more I listened to Dave, I finally one day believed him. And when I believed him in that one day of my life, that was in 2007, and when I believed him in my life at that time, I said, I'll never, ever, ever borrow another dime as long as I live. I don't care if I have to walk. I don't care if I don't have something to eat. I'll never borrow another dime as long as I live. Made that conviction in my heart in my life. That was 2007, and then AJ decided to go to college. It's going to cost us $42,000 a year to pay our way through without borrowing money. Because I wouldn't borrow money for him either. Certainly wasn't going to borrow money for him if I didn't borrow for me. So we won't do it. And so we had, we had to do it. And 2007, stock market crash. All that. You know, I don't think the devil just did it because I made the decision not to borrow money. But he certainly wasn't working on that stuff, it seems like. And, you know, they tried to talk me into borrowing money day and night. I'm not doing it. I had people standing right in front of my face said, there ain't no way that you can pay this. Talking about our son, there's no way you can pay it. You can't do it. You've got this loan is free to you. You won't have to pay it back. Reverend Bible, you won't have to pay it back for six years after it gets out. Don't worry about it. I don't, I'm not worried about it because I ain't born in the first place. And I made that. And when I did, then I didn't see, see God move. It took me seven years after 2007 to get out of debt. Seven years to get out of debt. A number of those years I didn't even ever get a raise here at church. It took me seven years to get out of debt during that time. And seven years later, when I finally got out of debt, then I finally moved myself to a place to where I could become wealthy and rich. And I started. I started saving and investing, moving to a place that moved me further than I've ever been moved in my life. It's so unbelievable to me now. But I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't changed my mind back then. It wouldn't happen. My mind had to get renewed. My mind had to quit being my enemy. And that's what you have to understand. When your mind is contrary to the Word of God, your mind is enmity against God, as the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8. It's the enemy of God, and it must be renewed. Everybody say, my mind must be renewed if you're going to receive from God. I mean, you, you, you get it in all kind of ways, all kind of ways. Let's, let's, let's look in a little bit more here. Look with me, Galatians 6 again, Galatians chapter 6. Now, here's the thing. I've got to operate from a, a basis of faith. I've got to have this renewal that takes place in my spirit by the Holy Ghost. And then I've got to renew my mind by the Word of God. And then, and then what I have to do is begin working in the divine law of God. You have to recognize this part of it. One thing, that, that even outside of the Bible and outside of believers, outside of Christians, and if you want to say religion, whatever, outside of religion, outside of those things, great philosophers have all come up with this one law they saw in the natural world. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Newton, all had this in common. They saw this thing and they called it cause and effect. For every effect, there is a cause. And every cause will produce an effect. It is an undeniable natural law of the world that we live in. You, you can't change it. You can not like it. You can wish it wasn't so. You can get mad at it. 
But it still works that way. For every effect, there is a cause. And a cause always produces an effect. For every, think about it like this. For every effect, there is a cause. And this cause produces that effect. Jesus says, so is the kingdom of God. It works the same way. Listen to this. An airplane, that right, I wrote a few notes on this, is the effect of somebody who built it. The airplane just didn't get here by itself. This watch that I have here, it just didn't get here by itself. The sound system, this building, everything you see, you can't find anything effectual that is here that wasn't caused by something, somebody, someplace, something at some time. It all has a cause, whatever you see. It's the, I mean, this is one of the easiest things to understand, but yet some people make it so very difficult, and it's not that difficult at all. The lights are burning here, and we enjoy the light of our world inside this building that would be a little bit darkened if we didn't have the lights. But the lights are not, they are producing the light, but they are only doing it because behind the light, there is a cause. And that cause is that we gave the Lawrence Commission Public Works about $1,000 last month for the electricity to turn those lights on. For every effect, there is a cause. You can look at it all through your life in anything you want to name, anything you want to talk about it. You're going to find that basic, classic, foundational law of the universe of cause and effect. Now look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. In Galatians 6 and 7, Scripture says, do not be deceived. In other words, those three words, if you want to walk away from it, I just won't believe it, I won't believe it, I'm not going to believe it, I am not going to believe it. God can do anything He wants to do, and that's what I believe. If that's what you want to think, you can keep thinking if you want to. But you will be deceived. Because Scripture says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If I sow green bean seeds, I'm not going to reap that can of corn. And some people have thought because they sowed salvation seeds in their life and believed that Jesus was Lord of their life and accepted Him as Lord of their life over their sinfulness, they thought because they did that that they'd get healed all the time. It's a different seed. Some people have thought because they accepted Christ as Lord and Savior that then they'd be wealthy. It's a different seed. Some people have thought because they received Christ as Lord and Savior that everybody will be their friends now. It's a different seed. That shall they also reap. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, be measured back to you again. And so I don't receive financial things back unless I'm giving financial things. It's the same seed. It's the same appliance that we're looking at. Look at Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's why when I've encountered any kind of physical problem or, or health issues in my body, in my life over all of these years, when I have, I, I, you know, I didn't go and read about finances. 
I didn't go turn Dave Ramsey on and listen to him. I, I didn't know I love him. I didn't do that. I, I didn't go and, and, you know, and go to a Gary Smalley uh, event, talk about how to have a good marriage. I didn't do that. I, I, I didn't do a lot. Of, what I did, I turned on things and verses and scriptures and teaching and blessings. They were talking about healing. And I started saying the same thing I was hearing to my body. And spoke the same thing to my body that I heard on those tapes and I read in those books. And I got out of the Word of God on healing. Because that was what I needed was healing. So I planted a healing seed. Not very complicated, is it? If you need healing, you plant a healing seed. And, and that's why you see some very good Christians, meek and mild-mannered, wonderful children of God, so to speak, in so many areas of their life, but go through so many struggles of life because they haven't planted the other seeds. They just stopped with that one seed and didn't plant other seeds in their life. And so then, there you have it. Verse 8, notice that he, he doubles down on it. For he that sows to his flesh shall reap corruption. What is a person doing that's sowing? Well, all those people, gay pride uh, march yesterday in Washington, D.C., and I guess there are other places too. What are they doing? They're sowing corruption. I don't expect to see a one of them in heaven, not one. Why? They're sowing seeds of corruption. What do you reap when you sow seeds of corruption? Corruption. Okay. Then, on the other hand, he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. How you get into the life everlasting? You're going walking in the Spirit. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're not living like the old man. You're not living like the devil. You're not letting sin control your life. You're not doing those things. You're not in those things at all. You're sowing to the Spirit, and then you reap life everlasting. It's, it's the rule that is just unchangeable. We can trace it all the way back. In fact, in Genesis chapter 8, I believe it's verse 22. Look with me there real quickly, Genesis 8, 22. It's a foundational thing that right after God destroyed this world, and you can look and see it for yourself in Genesis 6. But in Genesis 8 and verse uh, 22, the Scripture says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Now, I'll give you an example when we talk about what the Word says and what the world says. How many times have you ever heard people in the world say, You know that the Bible says there'll come a time when you won't be able to tell summer from winter. You just read where that's an absolute lie. It's not true. They say that because they heard somebody else say it. That's not what the Bible says. As long as the earth, and the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, I mean, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 103, it tells us that, that the earth will remain forever. Will the earth be renovated by fire? Yes, it will. Will this, all this wicked works on the earth perish and be burnt off? Yes, it will. But it will bring us back to the time of Adam and Eve in the garden when we have a new heavens and new earth we're in dwellers righteousness that will last forever. But notice, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So seed time and harvest never stops working. Seed time and harvest never stops working. I've heard people say sometimes about this. Well, you have an Americanized gospel. And you can't take the teaching that you guys teach and take it to some foreign country. And in those foreign country, you can't go there and teach it there because it won't work there. Seed time and harvest will work all over this world. It always, you can't stop it from working. You cannot stop it from working. It will work no matter what. It will work no matter what. Some people in the world don't think so, but it doesn't matter. It still works. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so what we're doing is we're sowing the word of God into our lives. Now, let me get you to the last place. Luke chapter 11. 
Luke, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8. Turn me to Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. Let me show you this. Luke 8 and then verse 11. Here's where we need to be in our understanding and sort of putting it all together, bringing it together like it ought to be. Luke 8, what Luke 8 and verse 11 tells us. The Bible says, now the parable is this. When you read the parable of the seeds or the parable of the sower, parable of the grounds, really. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Everybody say, the seed is the Word of God. Say again, say, the seed is the Word of God. I've done it like this. Leon, the seed is the Word of God. If you want a harvest, plant the seed into your life, and that seed is the Word of God. And so I, I don't have to plant some kind of mysticism into my life, uh, some so paranormal something, so to speak, into my life. I plant the seed of the Word of God into my life. Luke 8, verse 11, the parable is the seed is the Word of God. If you wanted to have this corn I've talked about this morning, you got to plant that corn seed into the earth. If you want to have what the Bible promises you can have in your life, you got to find the Scripture, the promises of God, and plant them into your life. We speak them into our life. We plant them. How, how do you do that? The Bible says in the book of Luke, we take no thought by saying. In other words, we have the Word of God. We speak it. We say it. That is me planting the Word of God into our lives. We plant it by speaking it and saying it into our lives. Now, notice what it says here. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then comes the devil. You see, there's a first opportunity the devil is going to come against you. As soon as you get on the Word of God and you begin speaking the Word of God, you know, then comes the devil. If you want to meet the devil, somebody said, I haven't seen him this week. You want to meet him, start speaking the Word of God. Then comes the devil. Then comes the devil. He takes away the Word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. But, but now notice this is a wayside hearer. Somebody sort of dropped in. Somebody not really wanting to get down into the waters. Somebody not really ready to drop themselves into the things of God, they just sort of out here to the side. I think I'll just wait and see what happens. I think I'll just hold on just a little bit. Let's don't rush into this stuff. Let's don't become fanatical about this. I mean, they're going to call me hyper faith if I do that. I mean, you know what? That's what they'll say and those kind of things. They're a wayside hearer. But now they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time temptation fall away. Notice, for a while they believed. They did for a while, but then when temptation came, they fell away. What happened to them? They had heard what I said or somebody else said, certainly more so than me, and heard other people teach and preach and minister this word of faith that we're looking at, but they didn't let it go deep in their life. It's like they're on a rock, and you couldn't get the roots to penetrate that rock and go down and take root because then when the rains and the wind came, it just blowed you off the rock and your plant died. And so some people are like that. They, they believe only because my church said, or only because my pastor said, or only because I saw a little nice, you know, plaque at, at Walmart in this, you know, the spiritual inspirational plaque some of them they have. And that's a nice little plaque. And I believe that because they didn't let it go deep into their heart and deep into their life. They were a rock hearer, hard to it. Oh, they might have quoted it and said it, whatever. But they allowed it not to get into the center of who they were. Living for God is an absolute, fully consecration to Him. 
It is not tried and see. It is not just mess around with a little bit. It's not just, you know, lightly do the things of God. You want the blessings of God. You want the wonderful supernatural events of God in your life. You've got to get all in with God. Notice verse 14. They which fell among thorns. And there's a lot of thorns out there. And they are which they have heard. Notice that which they have heard. Go forth and are choked with the cares cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. They get choked out with the word of, when the word of God came. They get choked out with all these cares and riches and pleasures and everything else. I ain't got time to get into the word of God. I got something to do. I got places to go. I got people to see. And you know what? I'm going to have fun with my life. I don't have time to lock myself up into my prayer closet like Jesus talked about doing in Matthew 6. I don't have time to lock myself in the prayer closet. I got this whole world going on out there, and I don't have time to lock myself in the prayer closet. I don't have no time to, to just study the Word of God and get immersed in the Word of God and, and just let it feed me and clothe me and feed me and clothe I, I, I don't have time for that. I got other things I got to do. You know, I'm just going to do this, that, and the other. I've just, you know, long time, long time. Uh, I, I try to get immersed into the Word of God every day of my life, for sure. And, and of course, I understand that that's what I do. I, I understand that. But all of my Saturdays, I mean, I never do anything on Saturdays except get immersed in the Word of God. I've never understood. And I have some pastor friends who are wonderful friends. They'll talk about, did you watch a football game on, on Saturday? No, I didn't. I don't watch football games on Saturday. Did you go fishing on Saturday? No, I don't go fishing on Saturday. Uh, did you do this on No, I don't do any of those things on Saturday. My family knows. I, don't, I do one thing on Saturday. I stay in my prayer study all day long on Saturday. That's what I do. That's what I do. That is my day before the I can't stand up here if I was at the football game yesterday on Saturday. Now, some other people say they can. If they want to, that's fine. That's between him and God. But I can't do it. I got to be immersed. I can't tell you something that I don't believe in, something that I do not live and have not experienced in my life. I've got to have that in there working in me in a real way. And you have to do that. You just can't let the cares and the riches and pleasures and things of this life just rob you and steal from you and take away from you. Let it do it year after year, day after day of your life, and continually walking in defeat and failure and all. No, you don't need to do that. There is a life with God that is sweeter than anything happening on planet Earth right now. It is wonderful being in his presence. I would not want to be anywhere else. That is the foundation. That is the foundation that makes the formula work. I'm almost ready to get into it today, but not quite. I got it in my notes coming up. But the Lord spoke that again to me on Tuesday this week. That is the foundation that makes the formula work. A lot of people got the formula, but it don't work because they don't have the foundation. It's just like if you had a great super crane and you were building a skyscraper, 10 stories, 20 stories, 30 stories, 40 stories, 50 stories, some big places. And you have that crane erected to reach out and the crane operator is there. The crane is quality and it reaches out and picks up the materials that need to come up to that 91st floor to go up there. And it takes them up and all that stuff and puts them up there. The crane can be wonderful. It can be absolutely what it's supposed to be. The world's greatest crane operator can be operating it. But if that crane is not sitting on the right foundation, the load can get too heavy. The height of the crane can cause it to go left or right and fall over. It has happened a number of times when the foundation is not right. And a lot of Christians want to get at levels of faith and levels of belief and prayer commanding demanding and speaking with words of authority in this earth they want to get there and they just jump right up there to it and they don't have a foundation 
Lord, I had never seen it there until Tuesday this week, and the Lord showed me. I'll show you that passage in the next week that we come together. It's there. We have to develop this thing from the bottom. The formulas work when you got the right foundation. The formulas will be discouraging to you if you don't have the right foundation. You've got to have it there. My wife and I, she gave me a little kiss, and I gave her a little kiss. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. If we're in love, if we're not in love, what is it? Right? You've got to have the right foundations in life. We'll look at that a little bit more. Notice finally what he says. Verse 15. But they that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Notice it, a good heart. I'm going to the 3,600 later on, but right here, those of a good heart. Those of a good heart. That's your foundation. Honest and of good heart, having heard the word, what do they do? What do they do? They hear it, and what else they do? They keep it. They don't just hear it and forget it and don't activate it in their life. They keep it, and then they bring forth fruit. Bring forth fruit with patience. We'll look at it. it works. What is patience? It's that process, once again. The things of God work. You can be absolutely happy. You can be absolutely healthy. You can be absolutely wealthy. You can be everything that God's promised you in the Word. You have great relationships. You have the goodness of God just overflowing, manifesting your life. But you're going to have to walk it through the process. If you want to leave anything out, you want to start the bad foundation, and you want to leave things out all along the way, and God's just some Santa Claus to you, or some whatever you want, might want to call him, or somebody's going to give you this and give you that, uh, just all to the top. If that's where you're headed, you've got a ways to go before you really get anywhere near that. And you're not getting to that anyways. It'll be a different way to get there. But you've got a ways to go for sure because you've got to go back, work on that foundation, and work the process. It doesn't all come overnight. Somebody say amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessings on us and pray for all those with us in the house of God. Many people out and different things happen as vacation weeks and what, as it gets into the summertime. But God bless you as you're here today and those that are listening to us online too as well that are listening today. Let's pray. Lift your hands toward heaven. Pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord God, I am yours. Not just superficially. Not just lightly, but strongly and into the depths of who I am. I am yours. That means all of me, spirit, soul, body, mind. I'm yours, Lord, fully invested in you, almighty God. And I give you praise and I give you glory. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. This Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you. 
as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.